Three. Um, and the subject tonight is going to be Galatians 2.20. And this is really a very common scripture that you hear a lot. And I know I share that with you. Um, and I want to share that we're just going to kind of jump into this. And what does this look like in the body of Christ today? And I really want to encourage everybody to stay logged in. You know, don't back out after 30 um, seconds or a couple minutes at the end. We're going to dig into this a little bit more of, you know, at the end of the scripture where it says, who loved me and gave himself for me, and, and, and also what that looks like. So that being said, um, I want to start off by just quoting the scripture. Um, Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer that I live, but Christ that lives within me. The life I now live, I live in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, I shared with you a little bit, and I was being a little goofy before. Um, work has been so serious today that I just feel kind of goofy tonight. But that being said, um, I shared with you that, you know, a lot of times when I ask people how they're doing today, um, they say, well, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer that I live, but Christ that lives within me. And so many times I, I'm just thrown back by that, you know, and just to be brutally honest with you, um, and I know Ann said I had the freedom to be real. So I just want to apologize to all the elders at DCC Church in advance. That being said, I often look at that. And when people tell me that and they quote the scripture, the first thing I think of is what is their fruit? You know, especially if I know the person, because I don't quite think people know what this scripture really means. And, um, and if you could just kind of start off kind of what the scripture means to you, I mean, what's on your heart to share tonight with the people that are listening? Well, you know, this is probably, like you said, one of the most quoted scriptures, probably the least understood, but it is the central, the fulcrum, the center point of everything in our lives. If you want to live your Christian life, if you want the promises of God in your life, if you want the freedom in your life, if you want to, if you want to see change, if, if you want everything that that we seem to want out of the gospels itself, it all goes back to this very scriptures. All of the promises, everything that you can receive through the scriptures from Genesis all the way to Revelation still center or hinges on this very scripture. That's good. You can't, you can't, we can't do away with it. You can't half do away with it. It's an all in. The crucified life, it demands surrender of everything. Mm. I have to surrender my personality, my character, my strengths, my weaknesses, my talents, my attitude. I have an attitude, believe me, everything mm. so that they will be literally no trace of my old life when the new life is poured out. Nothing. We literally, like Jesus said, that you, you don't put new wine into an old wineskin. It'll yep. burst. We burst and we are rendered useless when we try to pour this new wine in. It has to be a complete surrender, a turning over of everything in our lives. Everything. That is a great way to start it. If you want success. Now, this is where hey, we're at 34 seconds, maybe a little bit more. And you turn this off then that, that tells me you don't really want success in your life. You really don't want the freedom 
to be able to live the way we all say we want to live, this victorious life, it can't be done without Galatians 2.20. That's really good. You know, and so you said something that I want to talk on a little bit. You said you can't halfway do this. So there's a saying that, um, you know, someone came to me recently and said, you know, can you, can I talk to you? And I said, sure. And the person said, so I'm just wondering, you know, if I'm walking the way I'm supposed to. And <clears throat> I was wondering if, you know, you can kind of speak into my life. And I said, sure. And, but I, when people come to me with this type of stuff, I always say this, you have to give me the freedom to tell you the truth. And they, he said, sure. So what I told him was, I said, you got one foot in the world and one foot into God. And what I was sharing with him is what you're saying right there is you can't halfway do Galatians 2.20. It's all in or all out. You know, what does the Bible say? I'd rather have you hot or cold than have you lukewarm, yep. you know? And so the word that I want to kind of touch on a, a little bit is crucified. Now, when I was a, a, a young Christian, um, and by the way, I was telling Ann that I am very young before the podcast and um, I still haven't told her my age. <clears throat> that being said, um, when I used to hear crucified, it almost horrified me. I'm just going to be honest with you. Whenever I heard the scripture crucified, I thought about Jesus Christ being crucified on the cross, right? And crucified during the Roman days was, one, was if not the most brutal, one of the most brutal ways to die, right? So to me, when I heard I've been crucified with Christ, it's no longer that I live, but Christ that lives within me. Right away, I'm thinking, I've got to go through all these bad things. I'm going to be tortured. You know, I'm going to be persecuted. My family's going to, no, I'm just going to be an honor. My family's going to leave me. And I think a lot of people think that. You know what I mean? So saying that um, and, and looking at how brutal it is, what I believe is um, crucified is us crucifying our flesh, crucifying our desires and our dreams and allowing God to work through us. That's kind of how I've looked at it. So when I'm crucifying something, I'm taking that old man and that old nature and I'm laying it down and I'm relying on God to guide me and lead me. That's what, and can you expound a little bit on crucified? Because to me, I look at crucified like it's something that and it's really not something that I believe that we're actually giving up. I think we're actually receiving so much more than what we're actually giving up. And I think that's a lie from the devil. I think it's a lie from the enemy. You know, if we give all this up, you know, people come to me and they're like, well, I got to give all this up. And I'm like, you ain't happy anyway. You are miserable. You are miserable. You're broke. But you want, you know, if you give it all up, God's got so much more. So I think that whole crucified thing really kind of throws people off. It does. There's, there's no doubt about it. You know, sometimes we give the impression that when people come to Jesus, all they have to do is give up their old, their bad ways. You can't drink no more. You can't smoke no more. You can't cuss no more. You can't hang around with those that do. But that's not true. That's not true at all. What we give up, what we put to death, is the bad, those things. We put them to death. We, we're crucified with Christ. But we also have to give up the good. We have to give up the good, the bad, the ugly. It all has to surrender to him. Because there's parts of us that we think we're good enough for this, and we're good enough for that, and we can just, you know, our performance gets in there. It's all related to self. And that's the whole 
basis of this is getting rid of self. And, and that's what makes this a little, a little difficult to explain. But yet, once a person goes through that, through this, see, I guess if I told you what happened to me and how I really realized it is my biggest enemy. See, I was raised, um, and actually Kelly and I were laughing about this before I left that when I've been married 48 years, we're getting old together. And so it's just, you know, you go back and talk about childhood. Well, that's a long time ago when you've been married 48 years, believe me. Yeah. But go back there as a child. I was a golden child. I could do no wrong. I mean, I was basically worshipped. You know, I was, if you want to use the word brilliant, I was pretty smart. Yeah. You know, and so everything in my life became performance-based as a result of being a goal. Oh, of course, you. it's, you know, but I didn't have... I mean, I hear about hardships. People have had things they've faced, family problems, different things like that. I didn't have any of that. I mean, I moved around a lot, sure. You know, I was a, a loner, that type of a thing. And, and I still, you know, I I, I love alone. I, I just I enjoy that. But going through all of that as a result of being a golden child, it was all about me. Everything was about me. It was all about myself, what I wanted, what made me happy. And I lived my life that way. Just totally. If it pleased me, fine. If it didn't, see you later. I'm I'm out of here. Everything was about me and myself. From what so, age to what age? I mean, was this like really young? The was youngest it? member I have is a year and a half. Oh wow! You know, I mean, I was always basically, you know, could do no wrong. You know, God, I can't just, re- barely remember yesterday. You're talking. <laughs> <laughs> you're like you're throwing me off now. Well, okay. I have one of those memories that gotcha. remembers everything. And that can, that's where the bad come in because, mm. you know, you've, you've got all of this where I've lived my life for self. So once I entered the Christian walk, I can forgive you. I can forgive anybody because I don't hold things against people. I don't hold resentments and grudges and all this kind of stuff. The person I had trouble forgiving was me. Uh. All of the things that I did towards other people, that I said towards other people, the hurts that I caused in other people's lives, they would haunt me. You know, or if I make a mistake, a mistake will haunt me, literally, because I can't fathom the fact that little Miss Perfect made a mistake. We just, I don't do that. I calculate everything out very carefully to make sure I don't make mistakes. So you're a perfectionist. I'm a perfectionist. Ah. Uh, But uh, I'm working on this. I am crucified with Christ. So, (laughs) but so... As I get through my Christian walk, you know, you've got these, you're thinking, these things start haunting me where you did this and you did that and you're such a bad person. And pretty soon it's weighing you down, the things that you've done to hurt other people. And you go over it in your mind and you go over it in your mind and I did this and how could, how could they ever forgive me? And, and how could I ever walk through this and over and over? And it, it, it gets to the point where you're almost to the point of depression, like I am no good for anybody. How could God ever use me? Because I am such a mess. So then one guy, God said to me, he said, and I'll be careful how I say this, um, because the word he uses is a little different. I don't know if we want to use that tonight. I talked to you about it. Well, they can always correct it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, literally what he said to me, he says, um, you are necromizing, and I need you to put an end to it. That's a really big word. Yeah. It was actually for me at the moment, too. I had to go look it up. And then I had to make sure it was in the scriptures because, I mean, I do that. When, when, when God speaks, I mean, there's a lot of me going on in there and the world going on in there. I got to make sure it's God speaking to me, of course. 
And sure enough, I found it in the scriptures. Necromizing is fellowshipping with the dead. Wow. And I'm like, Lord, okay, how am I doing that? And he said, you were crucified with Christ. The moment you made Jesus the Lord of your life, all of your past, you repented. And it was cast into the sea of forgetfulness. It's gone. The only thing left are your memories, the things implanted in your system, the experiences that you're going through. And the enemy is using those against you to pull you back into that old life, a life that is gone because you were crucified with Christ. And I, I seen it. And I seen where I seen a, a plan how to, Battle this because now, you know, now I've, I've identified my enemy, first of all, and realized that all of this coming at me, you know, and, and I would think with other people, it would be hurts in their life, the way other people had hurt them also, you know, are things people had, things, I said something to you. I'm sure at some point, I was going to talk to you about that. I was going to talk to you about that. We'll I'm, make that for another time. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but that's the thing, you know, because. Because people will say, there ain't no way that person could be saved. I knew them before. Yeah. Well, they can. Yeah. Because crucified with Christ is crucified with Christ. Your past is gone, and you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. There's a complete death of self. Yeah. So the only thing left is these memories. And these memories are what the enemy comes in and and bombards us where and says, you're no good. You can't do this. You can't follow through. You know, you've, you've done all of these things wrong. You'll never make it. Or, you know, God's going to never bail you out of the situation. Look how many times you've messed up in the past. He's not coming to bail you out again. You know, or God's not going to heal you because, you know, you don't, you know, I seen you eat a bag of Fritos last night and the Oreos <laughs> went with it. Come on. Ah, you know, I mean, way over your calorie count. Oh, my goodness. So, but example there, but it, that's how the enemy works. He works in his mind. He comes against you. But, in this situation, once you realize you've been crucified with Christ, that the old man is gone. And that's why I love, I love Romans 6. And it's interesting that it's the chapter 6. 6 is the number of man. Mm-hmm. And that's where Paul dives right in and he gets right after the flesh. He says, by no means, he says, how can we who died still live in sin? He says, we were buried with him in order that we could walk in the newness of life with Christ. That's the basis of of our entire gospel, that we were crucified with him, we were raised with him, and now we live in that newness of life in him. He doesn't live in us. And anybody that says that, I I feel bad for because you've not really studied Ephesians. Ephesians says we are in him. Holy Spirit is in us, and Holy Spirit leads us to him. But our new life is in him not him and us, because I don't want him in this mess. I want to be in his, because that's where righteous, that's where freedom, that's where kingdom comes, that's where I'm joint heirs, that's where I can enter into the promises of God and they become mine, is in him. I can't get them down here of where I'm at. Let me let me say something. I figured I should take a breath. No, let me say something. <laughs> Preach it, Dan. Go ahead. Do it, girl. Come on now. I just had to throw that out there. She's getting me all excited. I'm about ready to tap dance on the table. Uh-oh. This is good stuff. No, um, you said something that um, fellowshipping with the dead. So let me ask you a question. Are you talking about like, so when we're saved 
and we decide to go back to that old man, those old thoughts, that all that bondage and that stuff that Satan's bringing up in our memory, that we're actually fellowshipping with dead things. Yeah. Wow. I like that. If you were crucified with Christ, if, if we've put those things off, if they've been cast into the sea of forgetfulness, buried in baptism, I mean, that's the whole thing with baptism. You, you leave that old self in the water. All that mm-hmm. junk is laying there in the water. That's why I never wanted to get baptized. I want to be first, you know, because everybody's got their junk <laughs> yeah. in there, you know, but it's gone. You know, and another word you said that I really liked was surrender. So in this scripture, um, what people don't realize is Jesus had to surrender to his father's will, right? And I think in this scripture, there comes a time in our life where we have to surrender. Now, we talked a little bit before the podcast, and our story is a little bit different where you had a hard time with yourself, right? I had a hard time with what people did to me. So I had an absolutely horrific and terrible childhood. And I shared a little bit with you. It was bad. And I mean, to be honest with you, I wouldn't wish it on anybody. And it's funny because through the years when people have asked me to share more details about my testimony, I tell them and they don't think it's true. That being said, I struggled with that. Like I shared with you for a while, you know what I mean? And Let's say I was fellowshipping with dead things and I was in bondage and I was struggling and I was struggling. There had to come a point in my life where I said, I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer that I live, but Christ lives with me. I am a new creation. I I only think positive thoughts. So what I had to do was I had to make a decision and surrender to his word. But the cool thing is, is when I started learning scripture, I started using it. You know, like James 4, 7, if you submit to God and resist the devil, he must flee. First Peter 5, 7, you know, casting all your cares upon him for he cares for you. And what I started doing was in that, as I started saying, I forgive this person for what they did to me. I forgive that person for what they did to me. And I was walking out, you know. So the point is, is what I'm saying is, is let me know how you feel about this. There was a crucifixion going on in my heart. <clears throat> there was a lot of pain. There was a process here for me that, it, and it hurt. It wasn't like I became a Christian, you know, and boom, you know, like I was in Chris Shire's living room with Chris and Lisa and they led me to the Lord. I ended up hyperventilating and I ended up breathing in a brown paper bag. And they said, Mary, do you want to get saved? She said, nope, don't want nothing to do with that. And I'm on the ground. <laughs> You know? Oh my goodness. But that being said, I thought, man, everything's going to be great. No, it wasn't. It was really hard. And it was like almost, I know, and I've never heard anybody say like this, but to me, it was like my own crucifixion. There was pain. There was things that I had to walk out. I There was things that I had to rechange the paradigms of my thinking. I had to let God saturate my mind and my heart. That being said, there's another thing. And it says, but Christ that lives within me. And I had to learn, and I want to ask you how you feel about this, but to me, Christ that lives within me, the way that I do that is following the convictions that's in my heart. You know, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is here to teach us all things, to bring back remembrance of all things. I had to allow God. Now, to walk this scripture out, I would like to say, first of all, I couldn't do it on my own strength, right? I had to allow God's word, which is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to division of the soul and spirit and joint and marrow. But the, that, that scripture says it's the discerner of the hearts and the intents of man. And the scripture goes on. 
I had to allow God's scripture to transform me. I had to start to let that conviction rule me, and I had to start to walk that out. How about you? I mean, did you just, all of a sudden, it was all great? I mean, you kind of shared a little bit. For me, it just wasn't. I mean, you already shared a little bit about that and stuff about, you know, um, how, how you were hard on yourself. But for me, it was something that I had to walk out. You know, and to be honest with you, it's still something that I'm walking out. It's still to this day something that I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to minister to my heart and to share. Well, Dave, I don't know if that was quite the way to tell that person that, you know, because I'm kind of black and white. I'm kind of a goofball, but I'm black and white and, and I tend to hurt people and I don't even know it. Mary lets me know. You know, we went together, we got together a couple of weeks ago and she was like, you know, there was a couple of people there. Did you notice you said something and it was really awkward in the whole room? I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. You know, she's like, no, you did. You know, so how are you with that? With the, with the, the first of all, the crucifixion part and, and walking it out. Because a lot of people think, hey, when I get saved, everything's going to be puppy dogs and rainbows. And then, and let's be honest, there's that spiritual warfare that's at point to where you have to make a decision to submit. You have to just make a decision that I am not going to keep one foot in the world, one foot out of God. For me, it was kind of a drawn out decision. I mean, don't get me wrong. From the first time I got saved, I've never really like went back. I mean, I've been drying out from drugs and alcohol for 34 years. I've never went back to that. It was my heart. Something that my, you know, and, and I really love what you said, that you're fellowshipping with dead things. It took me a while to quit doing that because of the bondage that I was in. And um, this scripture, actually, um, when you told me, hey, you know, um, at the podcast, I'd like to share with this. I mean, I was in my living room at my coffee table, and I'm like, yes. And Mary's like, what? What did she say to you? And I says, oh, one of my favorite scriptures. But in that, what is that? What can you share with somebody right now as far as someone's listening tonight? And they're at this stage, um, not where you're at, not that you're at any certain stage, but they're just like, you know, this is hard. And I can understand fellowshipping with dead things. And right now I'm just struggling. I'm struggling with being crucified in Christ. I'm struggling with the past and I'm struggling with that bondage. What can you say to somebody? And I believe right now I'm just really being led by God that I feel like there's someone that's listening to this right now. And they're looking at us and saying, well, you guys, you know, you, you're, you're beyond that. We're not. You know, this is a daily walk. But what can you share with the person that's, if you don't mind me asking, is listening right now that's in that? It is a daily walk. In fact, it's a moment-by-moment moment walk. And we are, we are here. I mean, why, why, why not? Why, why when we get saved, why doesn't God just take us out of here? I've been wondering why, that. Why, why, why did Jesus say that you are no longer of this world, but I'm still leaving you in it? What's up with that? Because yeah. a crucified life takes decisive, continual action. It's war. It is literally war. And so many times, you know, we see spiritual warfares fighting only demons. Are you serious? Self is a very large part of warfare. In fact, I think it's more. Mm. Um, Kelly always says, um, there is an enemy, in case anybody doesn't know Kelly's my husband, um, there is an enemy, and we are him. He has said that for years. 
It's warfare. It's giving up of the self we were born with. It's taking that self to the cross, all of its strengths, all of its weaknesses, everything in between. And sometimes, you know, it's the good, the bad, and the ugly. But Ephesians 2 says the crucified life, it takes trust. We must trust him to take us to the point of death, raise us up together with him. I mean, if you take Paul, who wrote Ephesians, if you take Paul, Paul says, I have wronged no man. I done nobody wrong. Pretty amazing after everything he did. Too. And I read that and I went, are you serious, Paul? We just caught you in a lie. Because I read over in Acts where you were standing there and held the coats and condoned the stoning of Stephen. How can you say I've done no wrong? You persecuted the church. In fact, they were scared of you when you first were crucified with Christ and, and the prophet came and you you got your eyesight back and you started ministering in the churches. They were like, we don't want him around because we know what he's done. You were nasty, Paul. How can you say that? But the reason he could say it is because he had realized that he was crucified with Christ. He no longer lived. And in Acts 17, he said, in him, we live, we move, and we have our being. When you're in a battle, you have to be in him because that's your place of victory. If you're out here in you, good luck with that. Because I don't know very many battles won over there unless it's pure self-determination and then it's only temporary. You know, I mean, it's, it's like a plant. You cut a plant down right to the ground. Um, it springs up and it takes constant. It, it's tough to get rid of that plant. And that's the way I was crucified with Christ in my flesh, but my memories, my will, my emotions, they continually keep trying to rise up. And that's why Paul said, put it off. Put it off. You need to die daily. It's warfare. It is not easy. Now, that's the way with me. When I was saved, it was one minute I wasn't, next minute I was. It was a complete surrender. I gave everything back, and I didn't even know that you were. I, I never read the scripture. I never. I didn't read the Bible when I was growing. I didn't go to church. I was unchurched. I was. We called them hillbilly hicks. I lived on a lake. Grew. You know, I run around barefoot most of my life. Salvation Army brought my coals, clothes for school in August, and I'd go to school in September and go back to the lake in June. Oh wow! I mean, that was my whole life. It was. It was. Most people probably love it. I didn't understand crucified with Christ, but at that moment, I surrendered, completely surrendered. But then as time passed, and, and we became very active in the church, self kept trying to, to creep back in, and, and I kept pushing it away and pushing it away and saying, no, you know, that's my old man, that's my emotions, that's my will, that's the experiences that I had, but they're no longer part of this new being that I am. But you know what got me? Religion. Religion got me. I mean, we spent years in the church, leadership, elders, we, we started new churches, we Ran ministries. I mean, we did it all. Whatever needed to be done, we did it. That's what they always said. Anything needs to be done, call them. They'll do it. You know, and slowly on, religion of the do's and the don'ts, and you have to do this and that. And I can remember our best friend, a preacher, come over to our house, and our neighbors were good Methodist people. I mean, when they went to church, they were good people. He says, did you get them saved yet? And I said, well, they go to church. Well, yeah, but they go to, you know, that other church, you know, that doesn't make them saved. You know what I'm thinking? Okay. You know, so now you got to, you know, you're part of this big church. You got to rethink this. So religion just got a hold of me. And I actually ended up raising my teenage daughters with religion. And then all of a sudden I, I, I literally had this vision 
Um, we owned a bookstore years ago, and I was in there one day, and I was praying and walking up and down. And I looked over by the door, and here come in this little guy. He was, I don't know, he probably three foot tall, skinny little dude, just all wiry looking, you know, and he had on boxer shorts and a T-shirt. So all he had on was these big, bright boxer shorts and army boots untied. And his knees were knobby, and they were just shaking. And I'm looking at him, and I'm thinking, this is weird. This is really a weird <laughs> thing to be seeing, right? You know, so, you know, and this might be the part, maybe you want to cut this out, but I don't care. But anyway, I seen him and I said, Lord, what is this? What, what am I seeing? He says, the enemy is scared of what you found out. And I had, that's where I was studying grace, that I was saved by grace, not of works, least any man could boast. And we were at the point of boasting. I mean, we were all part of the give and you'll get movement, the great, you know, yeah. You know, shake down. And, I, for, yeah. I forgot now even what they called it. But I mean, I can literally remember my mom. She wasn't even saved yet. She gave a hundred bucks to the local church because she heard that God was going to give her tenfold back and she needed money. So she just went running over there and did it. Wow. You know, but that was the whole thing with it. And so I, he was been revealing to me that it wasn't by works, that those checks I had all listed on my refrigerator, that I was reminding God of all my works and who I had given to and what I had done. And how wonderful I was. And I was beginning to see that, that wasn't it. That Jesus paid the, cr- the price from beginning to end for everything and anything that I needed. And only in him are all the promises of God. They're not in my confessions. They're not in my good works. They're not in my checks on the refrigerator. I was beginning to see this. And the enemy knew it. And he was scared. And that's what God oh. says. He's scared of what you've seen. But now I had to face, I had to tell Kelly. And I mean, Kelly's a big elder at the church. This is what we believe, you know? I mean, I'm thinking, what's he going to say? He's going to, you know, he's, he's not going to receive this from me. And I was really literally scared to tell him that we ain't done nothing. That it's nothing to do with us. So it's warfare. Yes. It's back to my point. Yes. Being crucified with Christ, it's a daily walk. That's why Paul said, I'm going to say this again. He says, I die daily. That these things are going to keep coming at you. They're going to come at you from all different angles because the last thing the enemy wants is for you to enter into the promises and the fulfillment and the freedom and everything God has planned for your life because it is good and it is mm. not evil. It is wonderful, the plans he has for us. Why do we want to be stuck in this mess that we're forever, you know, the confusion and the disillusionment and and everything going on around us and the fear and are we going to make it or not? And we don't even know if we can buy eggs this week. Come on, you know, I mean. Well, that's you the can't big even mind. find eggs now. Yeah, right? there you so. go. Yeah, it's the big <laughs> mime on Facebook. We don't even buy I eggs. I heard they had them at Costco yesterday, so. <laughs> you know, but that's the whole thing. I mean, we're just living in all this fear and it's engulfing the church. And, and, and Satan is putting all this, you're not doing enough and you're not doing it right. And you'll never be enough and you'll never fulfill all of this. And, and it's just all a bunch of hogwash yes. because it's in him. All the promises are there. They're all available for you. And it's the simplicity of the crucified life. It's I no longer live. It's Christ that lives in me. That's my hope of glory. That's my freedom. And that's where in the ages to come, I'm going to rule and reign with him because I learned how to do it here. I got it. I got the fact that it's in him and it's him who matters. The scriptures were written for him and about him from beginning to end. Not about me. Not about myself. Come on, man. Come on, girl. Well, let's not do that. (laughs) No, I mean... 
<laughs> that is, wow. Well, you look at Ananias and Sapphira. I mean, so many are like, okay, yeah, they kept back for themselves. They lied. But Ananias and Sapphira in the book of Acts said they had given all, but they lied about giving all. Mm-hmm. They're all they had lied about. That's what they lied about to Holy Spirit. Yep. Where are we at? Are we lying about giving our all? Mm-hmm. Or are we still taking that old nature with us everywhere we go? Why do we want to walk with that? Yeah. I don't get it. Yeah. <clears throat> that was... So when you share stuff, I feel like I'm being set up for failure because no matter what I say, it's going to be as good. You're oh, phenomenal. No, no, no. Phenomenal, phenomenal. Hey, I want to share something. So whenever I hear this scripture always makes me think about the cross, right? And it always makes me also think about the scripture in Luke 9, 23. And I want to read that. And it says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life will find it. Now, Jesus was telling the disciples this. And the picture is, I'm thinking they're horrified because when you say cross, back then, that was an object of torture. I mean, they have already watched the Romans put many people on that cross and drag that cross and what they did to them. So to them, they got to be thinking, you are off your rocker if you think I'm going to pick up my cross. That is not going to, that's not what Jesus was talking about. You know, he was asking us to pick up our cross. And, you know, sometimes that cross is hard. You know, there's spiritual warfare in it. Sometimes picking up that cross is, you know, for me, it's something that I, I just walk out every day. You know, it's it's not nothing that I've ever perfected. Um, can you expound a little bit on that scripture? I mean, I don't I don't want to blindside you, but to me, this scripture just correlates so much with Galatians 2:20 because it's saying that we are crucified with Christ, and then Jesus is saying pick up your cross. And at the time, the disciples, they're just horrified. They're like, you got to be kidding me. You're going to ask me to do that? It was beyond that. I actually taught this Saturday night on the prayer lines, the National Prayer Lines Transformation Michigan. And Jesus had just come in on on the donkey. I mean, they, they are flat setting up kingdom. In the disciples' mind, they, they, the cross was a mystery. Paul says it was a mystery. Mm-hmm. It hadn't been revealed at this point yet. Jesus sets the disciples down and he says to them, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. They're going to crucify me. This is what's going to happen. That's the first place where the cross is starting to be revealed. But it was hidden from the gods of this world. Because the Bible clearly says, if they had known what was going on, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Because they lost right there at that moment. They didn't know. It was a mystery. Peter and James and John and all of the other disciples, at this very point, seeing Jesus walking into Jerusalem, declaring himself as king and ruler and Messiah, and establishing his kingdom. They were already arguing over who was going to be the the pontillator or whatever it was on this right side and his left side. I mean, they sent mother over there to say to Jesus, who can sit on his right hand and left hand? That wasn't a heaven. That had to do with his reign here on earth. They figured 
that he was about ready to establish himself there. And that's where we do. We see it wrong. We see things the way we want to see them. Rather than saying, God, reveal your plan to us here. Yes. And James says that so clearly. He says, we don't really know. So we need to pray, Lord, what is your will? What is your plan? Where are we going with this? You know, so they had this whole vision in their mind of this all being established. And Jesus is looking at them, you know, and he knows that that's what they're thinking. So Peter takes them aside. And Peter says, uh, no, we're not, we're not doing that. You're going to go establish your kingdom. And I'm going to be on your, I'm going to be one of your, your, your um, right hand men here, you know, in yeah. this, this whole new kingdom. And sure we are. Because in the ages to come, we're going to rule and reign with him. But that's what Peter was saying. He thought it was right then. Yeah. And Jesus looks at Peter and he says, you don't, you're clueless. Get behind me, Satan. Yeah. He says, you're trying to change the plan here. He says, you must lose your life to find it. That's where he says that scripture right afterwards. And yes. It's in several places. He says, you need, you need to die daily. You need to take up your cross and you need to follow me in what I'm doing. Not what you think is good, not your plan, not your purpose, where you think it's going. It's where I'm showing you it's going. So he, Jesus literally had to tell Satan, get behind, or Peter, get behind me, Satan. Now that was a little bit of a blow to Peter because Peter, I mean, but you really, you think about it, who was Peter to counsel the son of the living God? I wouldn't yeah. dare counsel God. But yet, how many times have you done that? I've yeah. done that. Oh, I've yeah. said, Lord, it should go this way, or we should do uh -huh. it this way, or I got this plan, Lord, or, you know, this has got to be it. You know, and, I, and I'm trying to counsel God, and God's going, bless their darling hearts and stupid heads. Kenneth Hagin <laughs> used to say that, and I loved it. I always wanted to say that. So, you know, you just, we've got to see things from his perspective. Yeah. So I don't know if that answered your question. Oh, that was really good. But yes, it did. It, yes, it did. I mean, like right now, too, I mean, I, I hear all kinds of things out there. You know, Trump's coming back, and we're, and we're going to establish this, and, and we got— Deep state running the government. I mean, all, all kinds of weird stuff out there. And then you hear the other side of jello slides in heaven and Christmas trees. And all. I mean, I just can't believe the stuff we're hearing out. And I'm like, people, let's get back to the basics of the gospel. I was crucified with Christ. I have an answer to the lost, to the dying, to the hopeless. And I mean, people right now, they're living in fear. We have an answer. But the answer is not off out there in what we think things should be. Mm -hmm. It's in the plans and purposes where he said that you don't even fathom the plans and purposes I have. No eye is seen, no ear is heard, nor is entered to your heart. He said, but I'm going to start revealing to them through Holy Spirit who lives in you as you crucify yourself, as you stay in with Jesus. Get rid of your old self. We're going to start revealing some of this stuff. Awesome. So I'm going to put a little bit different spin on this now that we're kind of going to wrap things up. <clears throat> so hold on. No, I'm okay. just kidding. So the cool thing is, is um, if I was listening to this podcast, I think, okay, so I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer that I live, but Christ lives with me. I need to pick up my cross. And in all this is there's this spiritual warfare and there's all this stuff going on and there's going to be pain. There's going to be things coming. But I want to tell everybody, if you waited to the end, I have really good news. And that's it. We are victorious in Jesus Christ. And I want to share a scripture. It says in Colossians 2.15, it says, And having disarmed all powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, trying, trying, triumphing him, butchering that, triumphing over them in the cross. He disarmed principalities and powers. He gave us authority over them. 
So in this, as we're walking this out, we have a choice to be victorious. We have a choice to tell those thoughts to shut up. We have a choice to tell Satan to get behind us. We have, a, we have the choice to walk victorious in all that we do. I love what Chris Shire says. He said it a couple weeks ago, and it really ministered to me, and I've heard him say it in the past. The biggest problem is ourselves. We want to blame it on everybody else. We want to blame it on this, blame it on that. But the choice is, is we have the victory. We've been given authority. And in that, there's hope. So in this, as we're walking all this stuff out, we have the hope of Jesus Christ and what he did for us. And the beautiful part about this scripture, I want to read it, the whole thing again. Love this scripture. But I want to touch base here at the end of our podcast on this part. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer that I live, but Christ that lives within me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. This is what I want to touch on. Who loved me and gave himself for me. He did all of this for us. He went through the pain. He was tortured. He carried the cross. He did all of these things. He was put on the cross. His hands and um, feet were nailed. He was pierced in his side. He was dehydrated. He was tortured. Now, I want to tell everybody, and then I want you to touch a little bit on this, that we are going to experience some pain and stuff, right? But we choose whether we're going to remain in that. And we choose whether we're just going to sit there and sulk in that. You know, we choose that. In that, we have, and I want to encourage everybody that's listening, get into the Word. That is almost like, so what really breaks my heart is recent, um, a couple times this, this past year, people would ask me, well, Dave, I understand, you know, you're always excited about God and, you know, you're just standing and dude, I see the fruit, you know what I mean? And you and Mary and this and that, but you know, how did you do that? And I say, you got to get into the word. You got to fall in love with the word. This, the Bible is the manual for our life. If your car breaks down and you're stranded and you don't have a mechanic, but you in your glove box, you have a manual and it'll teach you how to fix your car. You bust the manual and you read the doggone thing and then you fix your car and your car runs good and everything. But I'm looked at like this. This is what I've been told this year. You're old school. If you're old school because you're getting into the word and you're saturating yourself in it and you're in love with it. And here goes the key. I believe God's word is absolute truth. And it trumps anything that I feel, anything that I see, anything that I'm told. If it doesn't line up with the word of God, it's a lie. Now, if that's being old school, then I want to be really old. You know? So in that, when he says, He who loved me and gave himself for me, that's like a beautiful ending to a scripture. I mean, we go from, you know, you've been crucified, and then we talked a little bit about the cross, and then now we're going. To the point where it says, who loved me and gave himself for me. That's just, it's like a beautiful ending to a romantic story. You know what I mean? That's always kind of how I've looked at it. When I'm sharing that, you know what I mean? And what I'm, the point I'm trying to get across to everybody is, don't focus on what you're going to have to go through. Jesus Christ went through all of this stuff for us, and he's given us victory over it. This is a story of hope. This is a story of victory. This is a story of prosperity. Not that you're always going to see it. 
but you will have it if you confess it and believe it. So, and I don't want to go into the whole confessing and believe what you were talking about. Can you just expound a little bit on this? Is there anything that touched your heart while I was sharing this? A gazillion things, especially when it comes to the word, because I'm just such a big advocate of the word. It's multidimensional. It's, yeah. But I stay focused. It says in Hebrews that for the joy that was put before him, he endured the cross. The joy was looking down and seeing that person in a state of depression to the point of suicide and saying, I am going to bear that spirit of suicide for them. I'm giving you a way out right now, right here. That was the joy that was set before him. The joy that was set before him is that person that desperately needs healing in their body right now. Yes. And he looked down and he said, I am going to bear that sickness and I'm going to bear that disease and I'm going to do it for you right now in this moment because I love you that much. And then that person living in so much fear, they're scared to even go out of their house. He said, I bore that for you. You were the joy that was set before me. I seen you living in that fear right now so much that you couldn't even leave your home. And I'm releasing you from that fear because it was a joy that was set before me. You were, you are my joy. Each and everything that you could ever face in life, he bore at that moment on the cross. He endured it for us from beginning until end. And once we Once we receive him as Lord and Savior, and once we identify with him, surrender to him, the big word this year is identify. It's the fact that he has done this for us, and we are now in him. He has conquered all of these things in your life. If you think at any moment that you can do these on your own, I just say, good luck, but it's yeah, not going to work. I've tried it. it At work. some point, I hope you remember these words and you come back and you see him on that cross looking down at you and saying, you were my joy. I bore this for you. Amen. You know, as you're sharing that, um, I think I really believe in my heart that there's people that are struggling in all those areas that you're talking about. You know, and, and Nan, let's admit it. Me and you have been going to church for years. It's amazing you go to church, and there is so many hurting people at our church, at every church I've ever been to. But naturally, you look at everybody, and they they get all prettied up. They're wearing their Sunday clothes. Um, I'll share a story. There was this one Sunday, you know, we were going to a big church in this um, Resurrection Life Church, and um, um, it was a tough morning. It was one of the mornings, um, and I remember it vividly. um, One of my kids puked on my outfit, and I changed, and as we're walking out the door, another kid pukes on my outfit, and me and Mary are arguing. Yeah, well, I was arguing. I was I was grumpy, and I was hangry. I didn't get breakfast, <clears throat> and we pull up in the parking lot, and all the kids are dead quiet because Dad's mad. You know what I mean? And Mary's being patient with me, and and I open up the car door, and the first thing I see is, "Hey, brother, how you doing? Prosperous and full of health. Praise the Lord. Ready for Sunday, brother. You know what I mean? We put on that face. Let's be real here." We don't know who's all struggling. If you could just right now, those people that are struggling with depression that are watching this, those people that are struggling with anxiety, those people that have suicidal thoughts, can you just end us in prayer? You know, over what we've now shared tonight and and knowing that, you know, what people are going through. If you could just end us in prayer on this podcast, I would appreciate it. 
But Father, we come before you in the mighty name of Jesus. And we thank you that you went before us, that you're beside us, that you're behind us, that you surround us. You see every need out there in everyone who can hear my voice. You are not blind to their needs, nor are you looking away, nor have you forgotten any of them. So I thank you, Lord, that you would overshadow them right now with your presence. Lord, I ask it to be tangible. I ask that they could feel your presence coming in. And Lord, I ask right now that the eyes of their understanding would become enlightened, that they would know the hope of their calling is in you, that they would know the depth and the width and the height and all those other things of the love that you have for them, that they could know that this thing that they're challenged with, these problems they're going through, maybe they can't make ends meet. Maybe they just got a bad doctor's report. Maybe they're having trouble with a teenage child. Physical problems, back problems. I mean, I can just see so many things out there. They're disillusioned with life itself. They're disillusioned with you, Lord. I ask you to make yourself real to them. And Lord, I know in my life, the one way you have made yourself more real to me than anywhere else is in your word. So Lord, I ask that you draw them through your Holy Spirit into the scriptures. Let them find that Bible that's been misplaced, that is old school. Let them find it and let it become a reality to them that every word on every page leads to victory. It leads to fulfillment. Every word leads to you. Lord, I ask this in Jesus' mighty name, and I will continue to be praying for these people that have heard my voice, that you will do this, Lord, in their life. I thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Ann, and wonderful prayer. I want to also encourage people that um, subscribe if you want to see more content like this. Um, let us know. Let us, you know, share um, what you're looking for, you know, whether it's like this, other subjects or whatever it might be. And also, if you like what you heard here tonight, I really want to encourage you that DCC is actually doing um, daily um, devotionals. Right now, for the month of January, we're doing um, prayer. Um, by the way, it's been going phenomenal. I've been hearing a lot of good things about it. We have multiple people sharing prayer and what it looks like. And kind of, I think we're all kind of sharing our own little flavor, you know what I mean? And our own, how we color that in. Um, but um, those would be at seven o'clock in the morning, Monday through Sunday this um, month. Um, next month, I'm not quite sure what that looks like and what we're going to do, but there is going to be um, um, weekly and daily after that Monday through Wednesday. I'm not sure if it's going to be every day after that. But again, thank everybody for um, tuning in. And man, thank you for being on. It was such a blessing. God bless everybody. Have a great day.